This episode is made possible by Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out. Listen, I live in Southern California. There is absolutely no need for puffer coats or any sort of those winter jackets. But when I travel anywhere else in the world in these cold months, I'm often burdened with the task of getting winter clothes. And now with Armoire, I can just rent my winter wardrobe. It's brilliant. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash datable. That is armoire.style, spelled A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often in hours. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join is their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code DATABLE and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. The Dateable podcast features real stories from real people of how they make modern dating work or not. I'm your host, Yue, former dating coach turned dating insider, if you will. On each episode, you'll hear commentary from my producer, Julie Kraftchik, and other surprise co-hosts. This episode of Dateable is brought to you by 500 Brunches. 500 Brunches connects like-minded people with similar interests to meet in real life over brunch. You answer a quick questionnaire about your interests and how you spend your time, and then they'll match you in small groups of six to eight at a brunch spot in San Francisco. Get a free entry into a brunch now by signing up at 500brunches.com and using the code DATEABLE. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show all about modern dating. Now, you've heard the phrase, practice what you preach. I've had uh, many of my doctor friends not take such good care of their health. And we've all (laughs) known teachers who probably aren't so good at their subjects when they're out of the classroom. But, you know, you got to practice what you preach. And today we have a guest. Her name is Dr. Rachel, who is a clinical psychologist And she's on not only talking about the psychological side of dating, but also what is it like to date as a psychologist herself. So just a little background about her. She's 33 years old from New York. She's been in San Francisco since 2008. 
She's single and going on dates. Like I mentioned, she's a clinical psychologist and is here to share how she puts into practice what she preaches with her own dating life. We'll be talking about dating mindfully and what she's implemented to help make the process more fun, less anxiety provoking, and more likely to land a high caliber partner. Love it. <laughs> Dr. Rachel, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, UA. What is it like to date as a clinical psychologist? It's fascinating. <laughs> um, and I think provides me with a lot of opportunities to, as you said, I, I, I was telling Julie when we talked that I'm sort of my own best case study. Mm-hmm. And so I think as a psychologist who's so interested in and steeped in and enthralled by relationships and psychology and dynamics that work or don't, um, I've been able to sort of look at myself when it comes to intimacy and love and putting myself out there and and reflect a little bit on the ways in which I go wild in, <laughs> in, in destructive ways historically. And I've been able to sort of use my innate interest in introspection to mm. um, get that get me to a better place when it comes to how I'm showing up. So before we get to your dating stories, okay. I want to know, first of all, this is a dumb question. Yeah. What's the difference between a psychologist and a therapist? Okay, that's not a dumb question at all. Um, a psychotherapist is sort of a wide term that a psychologist can be, okay. but so can a marriage and family therapist. A psychiatrist could even be a psychotherapist. So a, psycho- a psychotherapist is really just any clinician who's doing clinical work, okay. who's providing therapy. Uh-huh. Um, a psychologist is someone who has obtained a doctorate in psychology and may be doing clinical work, may be doing therapy, but may not be. Maybe okay. doing research or teaching or um, being a director of a program or talking on podcasts. You know? <laughs> so um, therapy is one thing a psychologist can do. Got it. Are you a therapist also? Yes. Okay. Got yes, it. And do you have a specialty area? Um, I I work in health psychology, um, which is very specific to the ways that our health is multifaceted, mind-body connection, how physical ailments um, work with psychological and emotional stuff and okay. how they all impact one another. But I also am really passionate about women and women empowerment and women advancement and communication and all of that. And mindfulness is sort of an overarching approach I take to my work. Uh, So what's the, um, I'm trying to think of the Venn diagram here. Yeah. Not all therapists are psychologists. Correct. Got it. And not all psychologists are therapists. Got it. Understood. Mm -hmm. But as a professional overanalyzer. Yeah. (laughs) Your own dating life. Yeah. I want to hear about your dating life because I know you got out of a long-term relationship and your dating life really took a turn. So tell tell us more about what that experience was like. Yeah. Yeah. I got out of a nearly two-year relationship with a guy I was living with and I knew it wasn't right for a long time I was in it. And so getting out of it was profoundly liberating. And so what that looked like was a lot of dating. I was dating a lot of men pretty much every single weekend. I was drinking a lot of alcohol (laughs) when I was going on dates with these men. And I was also having a lot of sex. So I was having the type of sex that I hadn't had in two years or ever, really. You know, I was dating the kind of men who were so hot. And like, I I think in terms of um, physical attraction, I hadn't quite let myself experience and 
So it was freeing in those ways because I think it was an ex- it was an exploration, a bit of an experimentation, mm-hmm. but it was also a solidification of like my worth. Mm. But then you also mentioned when we talked that some of this came with rejection and some other feelings mm, of, of course. disappointment and loneliness i'm guessing of course and so i guess like <laughs> thank you sorry <laughs> that we went from, <laughs> no, we went from the high end to let's yeah well, let's i validated my self-worth and then that all came crumbling <laughs> down well let's talk about that a little though it's interesting because i think it's in the face of it that's important to bring in julie and i'm glad you said it because yeah it, dating can be treacherous and requires so much resiliency when you inevitably get rid rejected or um, feel heartbroken or feel tired of the same old story. So I think I tried to use each thing as an opportunity to sort of be with the disappointment or whatever it was. But I think also what it allowed me to do is sort of like, if a dude didn't follow up or I had sex with him and then he never called, even though I really wanted him to, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what it allowed me to do was touch base a little bit more about like, what do I want here? Like, do I just want one night stands where I'm shit face wasted? Yeah. Yeah. Um, keep cursing. Okay. Shit face wasted. <laughs> and, you know, and, but then, but then what's happening there? Then I'm not, but I also say I want a partner and do I? And so I think the the muck and the pain and the disappointment helped me get clearer mm-hmm. on sort of what I needed, where I was and why, and then sort of make intentional decisions based off of that. So did you not have these realizations before the two-year relationship? Not really. Huh. I think I was focused on on school then. I wasn't as conscious of who I was. I was a lot more insecure. And I was dating a mm-hmm. lot, but I think I was going out with more men that I would never now. I, I wasn't as connected to who I am now sexually then. And I was also pretty shut down in terms of vulnerability and intimacy. Mm. <laughs> so so were there any like situations specifically during this dating period that stuck out as like, yeah, how do I deal with this? Yeah. This is disappointing to me. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's one man who comes to mind very boldly. Oh, do tell. Okay. Well, so this is a guy who I just, I fell for big time because I, I mean, my knees went weak, you know, and I sort of was a puddle in his hands for a long time um, because I thought there was this cosmic connection. But also he symbolized to me this like alpha man that was interested in me and wanted to be with me and made me feel beautiful. And so I was just like struck. Mm-hmm. But he was totally emotionally unavailable mm. and was pursuing me intermittently. And it was, he, you know, he, he was the kind of guy who wouldn't really let me finish the mm-hmm. sentence and wasn't quite in a secure place in his life. So in a lot of ways, I was underestimating myself. Mm-hmm. But also overlooking yeah, these sort of red flags. Totally. Big time. And I didn't understand why, because I was aware of that process, but I couldn't make sense of like, what is this? What the hell? Like, why can't I like let him go? And, or why do I stay engaged in this thing that I know I'm better than? Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's where my therapy comes in, my (laughs) personal therapy that I used often to explore what this was and what he meant and what it meant about me and blah, blah, blah. So do you have any like breakthrough moments? I, I, (laughs) I had a major breakthrough moment where you know, he was sweeping in and and wanted to hook up last minute. And I just finally said, no, 
And it had been like, that was like like three times prior to that I had said, I'm going to say no. And I never did. I kept, Mm -hmm. and then finally I just said, no, no, like I deserve better than this. Here's what I need. If you can't give that to me, I wish you well, you know, I care about you in a blah, 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 but no. What was his response? He, I think, tried to get me to go back on that. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. he really was like, really tried to finagle himself in. And then once was clear that I was grounded in where I was coming from, it was amicable and loving Mm -hmm. and friendly and we wished each other well. I'm telling you something clicked in me that I don't think I'll ever be able to go back from. Okay. The floodgates opened and I started to expand what I had been limiting in myself and my life and my career in ways that like I started writing more. I started trying to get on podcasts. I started a website. I started a blog. I started just this like deep connection to my own capacity to like do things what do you think it was though the the power to say no Uh and carrying it out Mm -hmm. to say no and taking a taking control of the situation helped you take control of other parts of your life what what do you think really got you there was it the guy or was it just where you were in life it was it was my ability to look out for myself in that way Mm. When prior to that, I had tried and I kept betraying myself. I kept saying, no, he's not good for you. What are you doing? Mm. And then I would do it. And it was in direct contrast with what I knew was best for me. A lot of people do that. Myself included. I've been there before. Why do you think from like more of a psychology perspective, Uh why do you think people keep going, repeating behavior that's not serving them? Right. Right. Same pattern. A lot of people do it. It's so deep. The core beliefs that we have that are so ingrained and that we've been programmed to operate from for so long are really hard to rewire Mm. and require bold, brave willingness to confront these things. Mm -hmm. You know, so I would, it depends on what it is. But for me, I was like staying engaged with this guy who wasn't available to me emotionally. So I had to look at like, what are my beliefs about what I'm worth? What are my beliefs about how beautiful I am or, or am not? What am I, you know, what, what am I really telling myself and believing about myself in a cellular level? And where did that come from? And what do I need to start doing to prove that wrong? Mm. So it's a multifaceted process that, that people have to be willing to confront, look at, offer compassion around, and then stay committed to the diligent practice that's required to make change. Right. So you think some of it's like a subconscious, like, I don't think I can do better. Right. And then maybe some of it also is like, because the, un, like, you yeah. have this person in front of you and and right. some levels it's obviously working. Right. You wouldn't be there at all. Sure. Yeah. And then the other unknown is finding someone else that's such an unknown. Right. Do you think like some of that is yeah. a struggle too? I think people are so stifled by fear. Mm-hmm. And I pre- that, I thought you said it beautifully. You know, I think it's this. And it's often it's like under the the our recognition that so many of us are living our lives and we're not conscious. Yeah. We're just living. We're like on this autopilot programmed. That's where we are. And it's not until we sort of slow down and say like, hold on. What the hell is this? Mm-hmm. What is this? Why do I keep doing this? Yep. What's happening for me? And I don't think you can do it alone. I think you need a skilled therapist mm. to help you look at that. And it takes time. I think also denial is a lot of it. Sometimes we're just in yep. denial of what 
what we're going through. Um, also, the hope mm-hmm. of the potential yep. of someone changing right. or the situation changing. Right. Because what's what these people do, these people who breadcrumb you or, mm-hmm. you know, they, they kind of string mm-hmm. you along, they know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. They give you a glimmer of hope and then they disappear and then they give you a little bit more glimmer of hope. So then every time they reward you with a little hope, right. you feel validated right. in yourself. Mm-hmm. But something you said that really stood out for me was betrayal. Mm -hmm. When you betray yourself, Mm -hmm. that's when you know a change needs to be made. Mm -hmm. So maybe we can go into some of the more um, framework of how you should think about situations like this. Because what you went through, Mm -hmm. I think millions of people have gone through. So we we can all relate to what you went through. But from a psychological point, Mm -hmm. what are some tools we can use to organize and to analyze our thoughts so that we don't repeat the same patterns again? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's a good question. I think it starts on getting clear about what you're doing when it comes to dating. You know, what are you wanting? Are you just looking to have fun? Are you really wanting something serious? So you have to set um, a clear intention around the Mm -hmm. behavior or the energy Mm. and be really, so I think, and I don't know if everybody's, doing that. So I think just sort of giving yourself the time to check in with what your intentions are and and get clarity there. Also, what your values are in your life. When we live in ways that are misaligned with our values, we don't feel good. There's like a rub, there's a dissonance there. And so that Mm. could be a good sign. Like, why am I feeling so crappy when I wake up the next day and I've supposedly had this like really fun, wild, drunk night, but I'm anxious and I'm yeah. a mess and I have to give my phone to my best friend so I don't text him. Like there's something off about that. Yeah. And maybe it's funny and it can be cute, but if it's happening every week, you start to feel like this disappointment in yourself. Right. And it's because, at, you know, you're, I wasn't living aligned with my value of partnership and yep. really being seen and being truly intimate. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's really powerful for me to think about because Mm -hmm. sometimes when it comes to dating, you know, like girlfriends sit around and talk and we're like, what are your standards? Mm -hmm. I don't kiss on the first date Mm -hmm. or whatever. Like I don't sleep with someone until the third date. Mm -hmm. You set these very empty standards that aren't rooted in your values. Mm -hmm. So instead of making setting standards of what you're willing to do with someone, set your values first Mm -hmm. and then work around the boundaries of what that means. So what you're saying is if my values are to have someone respect me as a partner, then that boundary could be someone needs to return my text. Right. Or don't booty call me at 2 a.m. And that's the only time I hear from you. Mm -hmm. And then I think the other piece is like, am I doing actions that align with my values? Because if I'm accepting that booty call every night or every time, then you're misaligned. Mm -hmm. Because we can only control our own actions. We can't control theirs. So there's no point in setting boundaries for other people. You can only do it for yourself. Exactly. Great. Yeah. So I guess like with therapy more, Mm -hmm. because like, I mean, I've done therapy and I think it's like life changing in so many ways, but sometimes I even have, like you and I've talked, it's Mm -hmm. like, what do you actually do there? Like, how does this (laughs) affect you? And I've personally had trouble putting it into words. So like, how do you think like therapy and just like the whole process with a therapist would work in a situation Mm. like this? Mm. You know, I think on a lot of levels, you create the safe container of intimacy and 
being able to explore these things with compassion. And it's not always easy. So I think the therapeutic process is one in which you feel safe to be challenged around these ways that you're abandoning yourself, mm. around this way in which you're behaving differently than what you say you value, or just getting clear about what your values are. And I think a really skilled therapist will help you see yourself and not let you hide from yourself. Because mm -hmm. I think a lot of people want to go, know they might benefit from therapy, but are so frightened of the pain or the discomfort or not really knowing what it is or how, you know, how it works. And so don't really show up with, I think, the depth and honesty required for change to happen. Mm. But I think you have to feel safe and I think you have to have a good therapist guiding you there in ways that are tactful and help you get at the stuff that keeps you stuck. I feel like sometimes we're so on autopilot with our lives that we forget who we are. Yeah. And with therapy, I feel like you can truly meet yourself, but yep. you have to be very brave yeah. to meet yourself, your true self. Right. But it's so necessary. You know, I've experienced this in my life where I could go like months without checking in with myself. And then months later, I'm like, what happened? That was such a blur. Right. I can't believe I let that happen to me. Who am I anymore? Mm. So I think a lot of the benefits of therapy is yep. a check-in with out. yourself. Yeah. So I guess like as a psychologist yourself and mm. a therapist yourself, like I guess how did you break through what mm -hmm. you were just talking about and get out of these patterns? Like how did you use therapy? Okay, so I'm going to be, I have a dynamic therapeutic duo. I, I like to call them my dynamic duo. Um, I have my in-person therapist, Jesse, and he's phenomenal. And I meet with him uh, once every other week in person. And then I have my amazing uh, spiritual, mindful, relational female therapist who's th uh, through the platform Talkspace, mm. and she's in L.A., and so I've been, and so I use her in a very different way. We're okay. able to send audio messages to each other. So therapists also have other therapists. Oh my gosh, the good ones. <laughs> the good ones do. Because we're only human. Yeah. yeah. And we, I feel like it helps me be credible and I'm, do, I'm doing the hard work myself every single day. I know what it right. takes. Well, part of it too, like we've been saying, it's like this other person, like a third party kind of carving that time out for yourself. Yeah. So if mm -hmm. you're just with yourself, even if you are a therapist, right. you just can't do that effectively. Right. Without, I mean, without a doubt, there's limits to all of us. And, and, mm. and we're so relational at our core as human beings without that type of external support, I, I don't think we have the capacity to get through it on our own. That's not to say we're not incredibly powerful in and of ourselves and can do a lot every day for ourselves. But without a doubt, I don't think I'd be where I am today in myself if it wasn't for them and their support. One of the things we mentioned earlier was mindful dating. Yeah. Can you explain more about what mindful dating is? Yeah. Well, so you've mentioned a couple of times, UA, like this autopilot, or we've, we've spoken to that. And I think what mindfulness is, is a, a recognition and awareness of what is happening mm -hmm. right now in the present moment. Our minds are sort of hardwired to, you know, think about what will happen, to dwell on what did happen. And we're very, it, it's not unless we're being mindful that we're with what actually is happening. And that can be incredibly helpful. Um, to our brains and to our health and happiness and wellness. So when it comes to dating, I think it's probably one of the most important places to be present, be aware. That's when 
you're able to say, how do I show up for myself? How do I connect to that value? How do I connect to this, mm. you know, to, to taking care of what I know I need, to fostering intention? Mm. And so I think it's that type of asking yourself what's happening, showing up on these dates with clarity, not being wasted. Yeah. Yep. You know, I mean, really taking the time to connect mm -hmm. with whoever it is you're on the date with and not muddle that with anything. Mindfulness is tiring though. Yeah. It's exhausting because <laughs> yeah. you're thinking about all of your intentions every moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also thinking about, are we having a connection? <laughs> How do we connect? Right. And what does this connection mean? Right. How does someone who, let's say, has been autopilot dating for a while, mm -hmm slowly ease themselves into mindfulness. And not just become a total overthinker right. or overanalyzer yeah. either. So that's important. Thank you for asking that. Because I think I want to emphasize mindfulness is as much about staying present as it is about letting go. So mm. I think the monkey mind, the autopilot mind, is the one that's perseverating, overthinking, nervous. What if he doesn't like me? What if I said the wrong thing? That's the monkey mind. That's, mm -hmm. that's actually okay. where exhaustion kicks in. Mindfulness is just connecting. And maybe it is. It's just about slowing down enough to be still, to check in what's happening in my body. What is my intention? How do I want to show up here? And then letting everything else go. Yeah. Mm. And then it could be checking in after the date. How right. am I feeling? Right. Does this person like yeah. meet like my values right. and like what's important to me? Right. And I think, you know, it doesn't have to start right away with dating. Right. Maybe you can try mm -hmm. with a meal. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, mindfulness is everything, right? Yep. You have a meal and then sit down and think about how did that meal make me feel? Right. You hear that with like diets and yeah. like mm -hmm. nutrition all the time. Yeah. Mindful eating. And I think that, you know, points to this need to take care of ourselves before we engage in the dating process. Yeah. Because we're not going to get the person we are most deserving of if we're not mindful in and of ourselves or slowing down enough to figure out what is this that I'm eating and how does it make me feel when I'm done with it and what does it taste like? So yeah, I think um, even if you just like had a piece of chocolate, you know, and sat with that uninterrupted for a minute, mm -hmm. that's the other thing. It really, it, it doesn't, doesn't take, take yeah. long. Right. So are you like, I guess like how is this translating to your own dating life? Yeah. Like, what are some examples of being mindful in your dating life? Sure. Yeah. And so it's very different than what it was when I got out of that relationship. And so I have set very clear parameters on the dates I go on and with who. Um, and so what that looks like is not like being willing to say no. Yeah. To dates. That's a huge one. I mean, without a doubt. Um, and even if that means having a weekend or two weekends where there's no dates, like and that's perfectly fine. Well, people are very uncomfortable with that. Very, sometimes. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think for a lot of single people out there, there's still so much stigma. I think we live in a, a great place to be a single professional person yep. in your thirties. But, um, but I think even then, you know, a lot of people still worry about how they're being perceived if they're single. Yep. And so having these dates lined up can be like, oh, I'm I'm desirable, you know, right. I'm, you know. Or I'm doing something active to get right. to where I need to be opposed to like where it's not that you're not doing something active by taking care of yourself, right. but people don't see it as right. much. Right, right. Mm. 
Um, yeah, so being willing to say no, and I think that's really helped me go when I am going on dates, the caliber of men just feels higher because mm. I'm not going, I'm, I'm sort of limiting, I'm sussing out the, the Joe Schmoes earlier on to say, and how are you sussing them out? You know, if a, if a guy doesn't respond to me in a reasonable amount of time, mm. if, if he's not asking me enough questions, mm -hmm. if he doesn't use my name. Uh, like, you know, I, 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 when a man doesn't say, hey, Rachel, like there's something about that that I'm like, mm. why isn't he using my name? Is this like a copy and paste to everyone yeah, else? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bot. yeah. yeah. Right. It just, mm. um, so there's these qualities that, and then I guess in other ways I'm looking for shared values and does he seem to be happy and like, you know, um, are her, or his pictures, um, good, you know, do, does it look like he has friends? <laughs> um, that type of, you know, yeah. as opposed to like the guys who just like have like the same like selfie picture, yeah, yeah. like with just like a different oh, angle. Yeah. Um, so there, so I guess in those ways, and I think it also is just this feeling, you know, like, do I like the questions he's asking me? Mm. Um, do I like that he seems to really want to secure the date in, in, in is giving me enough time? Mm -hmm. Um, that type of thing. I, I sort of get a sense around that. And, then, and that could be different for everyone. But right. these are sort of the, right. the hurdles uh, that you would have to go through right. to make you, make you feel like this person is someone you want to spend some time with. Right. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And I could hear people saying, if I put up all these hurdles, yeah. like, is yeah. anyone going to get through right. them? Right. Like, am I asking mm. too much? Right. What is your take on that? That's a good question. I think it's a, it's a constant uh, balance between discerning what's what. Am I shielding myself or am I setting, you know, acceptable limitations around what I'll put myself out there for. I don't say no to a guy because he's too short. I don't say no to a guy because he doesn't have higher education. I, I like, so I, I am aware of the ways in which I'm open and wanting to be flexible and I don't feel rigid. Mm -hmm. And if I started to, I might look at that. Um, and maybe I will now, Julie, after. I mean, maybe <laughs> no, I mean, the, the flip side, though, is that, like, you know yourself so well right. that when you actually meet someone, they probably have much many of the values that you're looking. Right. I don't know if there's a right or wrong. Right. I don't necessarily even think I feel that way. I just could see other no, people it's, saying it's, that. It's, it's a good point. It. It's a good point. I think it's like it reminds me of, you know, of boundaries even, you know, because they those can be too rigid. It's about not saying no too often and not saying yes too often it's really finding that sweet spot for yourself where you're open but you're also discerning what if someone came to you and said you know i've been practicing this for a long time i'm very discerning when it comes to my dates mm. i just feel like there's just not many people out there mm -hmm, suitable for mm -hmm, me mm -hmm. how do i change my mindset mm. to the one of instead of scarcity right. to one of abundance right. that there is someone out there it's a me. great question right. it's time to take a quick break so we can tell you about the latest service we have been building over here at dateable we've created a platform to connect you with vetted experts from our network including a free intro session with Dr. Rachel to help with everything from coaching with dating, therapy, dating profile reviews, and even ways to get real feedback about your dating style. The sessions typically run from 30 minutes to an hour and can all be done via Skype or Google Hangouts. So you can be anywhere. Listeners have been sharing how worthwhile their sessions have been with comments about how easy the coaches are to talk to, how they have provided a new perspective, and how they have created actionable ways to inspire change. To meet the coaches and book your session today, visit datablepodcast.com slash coaching. Now back to the show. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. How do I change my mindset Mm. to the one of, instead of scarcity, to one of abundance? That there is someone out there for me. That's a great question. Yeah. So, I mean, and I work with that all the time, people who have these, you know, self-defeating beliefs or narratives. And so what we do is we name it explicitly. The belief is there is nobody out there for me. And then So part of the process, I think the mindfulness piece comes in when we can get some distance from the thoughts we have, from the things Mm. we tell ourselves that we just automatically believe or make to be true. But that's all in our minds. So Mm. I think there's a way that we can say I'm having a, a scarce thought. I'm having a thought that's coming from scarcity and it's not me and it's not true. And so I don't have to I can just sort of notice it. Oh, there's that thought. There's that fear that I have that I'll be alone forever hi, like watch it come and go, sort of like the clouds in the sky that are passing by. Um, So there's that. And then I think there's also the ability and and what I do with people who I treat is really get specific about the veracity of the thought. And it may be that the the statistics indicate that you don't have the best shot at meeting the, but then we have to look at in what ways can you be more flexible? In what ways can you be open enough to meet the circumstance if that's what it really is. Mm. Um, But keeping yourself stuck in this idea, which is just what that is, an idea that may not be actually true. So I help people look at the evidence and weigh weigh the facts and then come up with something more balanced that is more real. Mm. It's just more true. And then we'll work with that. Yeah, I mean, I think I've definitely done that before as well. Like in therapy, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. like I think this, but wait, actually, if I look back on my life, this was not true. This right. was not true. Right. And then like try to like component it and then be like, okay, since in the past I've seen that in the future can also be that. Right. It's, uh, yeah, it's fascinating because as some, we're all so stuck in our own minds and sometimes we create our own reality right. that we think is real. Yeah. But it takes a third party to come in and be like, no, that's actually not reality. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the big picture. Right. And then you kind of fly out of the re- real world that yep. you think exists and then you're like, oh shit, there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot more going on than I really think there or is. Or look at other people too. Like if it's like, sometimes I feel like with like the abundance versus scarcity, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, like you always hear like, oh, there's no like eligible right. single people in mm-hmm. my city. Right. But it's like, well, all my friends managed to find right. someone. So <laughs> exactly. There's people that want to settle down. Right. Like, it's not like there's no one. Right. So, yeah. yeah. And I think if if someone is coming from that belief, then then they're going to be shutting themselves off. Yep. And they're not. And that's like the unconsciousness. And so that's when I think a third party, a therapist can come in and help them be able to really identify for themselves the way that that's not actually true. And that maybe that's coming from a fear that they're not really good enough for guys, you know, like. Right, right. What's deeper there? Right. I rather have people go on less dates, but quality dates versus date after date. And this is why we get so many people writing in saying, I go on date after date after date and none of them amount to anything. Well, that's almost the same thing as saying I go on two quality dates right. and I gave it my best on these right. two quality dates. And right? I think there's less burnout. Yeah. When you, you go can on- live your life and do other stuff and you're not just like a full time. Right. Dater. Yeah. And just like perpetually disappointed. So you have your own dating program that you've started. Correct. Uh huh. Can you tell us a little more about that? Yeah, sure. What I have is at this point, I have a, a, a workbook, a mindful dating workbook that really helps 
people work through a lot of the things we just talked about. And there are opportunities for mindful reflection where you can really check in with yourself about a lot of this. But basically what it is, is how to get clear, how to set intentions, how to explore self-limiting beliefs that maybe mm. you're not conscious to, but that are getting in the way of, you know, you finding what you say you want. There's a, what I like to call sort of a curious exploration of fears, because mm. I think we all are very scared a lot of the time. And let the fear get in the way of doing things that would be best for us. We want to always be compassionate towards ourselves for feeling scared, but not letting the fear win or mm -hmm. determine what we do. And then there's this cultivation of uh, the program of courage, which I'm actually planning on elaborating on more. But that's just really where you get out there and you the rubber hits the road there. So you start doing the things that you haven't been that are going to get you where you want to be in yourself and with whoever it is you're wanting to be with in dating or relationship. And how does someone get their hands on this workbook? <laughs> the workbook at this point, people can just sign up for um, if they go to my website. It's an accessible way to work on some of these things if you're not quite ready for a therapist. Mm -hmm. um, but you want to start like looking at this for yourself. Totally. Yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. So what are some of our takeaways from this whole conversation? Well, some of my <laughs> takeaways are, again, I think it's that we have to realize that we can only control our own feelings, or our own actions, and we can't control other people and a lot of times what we do in dating is we blame the environment we blame the city we bl blame the other people on the apps when in reality everyone has the same complaints so we got to start with ourselves first and one is this mindful dating that dr rachel's been talking about which isn't just about like analyzing your own feelings and your own values and your standards, but showing up for dates mm -hmm. and being present and making each date an experience that's memorable versus like just checking it off the list. Mm -hmm. um, just so you're not home alone on a Friday night. That's probably not the best way to date. <laughs> and then two, I think we need to face ourselves at least once a week. I, this is sort of my own guideline for myself. Once a week, I need to take time for myself to check in and say, how did this week make me feel? Not just dating wise, but how did, how did my friends make me feel? How did work make me feel? How can I change the way I feel about my life right now? And what are some things I need to be doing, you know, taking initiative with? And that's, a, I think, as long as we work on ourselves, we become a better environment for ourselves, right? And then we start attracting the things mm -hmm. that we need in our lives. And that includes a potential someone as a partner. Totally. And I think there's obviously something to the once a week because therapists tend to recommend you come once in a once week, a yeah. week. So obviously Dr. Rachel could talk to that more. But uh, I think one takeaway, I mean, there's been so many, but like we're all human. Like I think sometimes too, yeah. like... I mean, you think like, oh, a therapist or psychologist has all figured out. Yeah. Like, people will always ask us too, even from this podcast, like, oh, like you guys are dating experts. Like, you know, everything. And it's like, yeah, if you're in these fields, you hear a lot and you yeah. start to know and be understanding. But everyone has their own shit that needs to get like, there's yeah. not like a, no one has it figured out. Even if you've been no. married for 20, right. 30 years, like there's something with everyone. Mm -hmm. So it's just 
accepting that and owning that and not feeling as bad if you don't feel like you're comparing to someone else. Yeah. You know, it made me feel good to hear that you were a hot mess at some point. <laughs> <in your life. laughs> good. I also think though, as like in like as someone going to a therapist, mm-hmm. it's interesting because you never know your therapist. Like I went to a therapist <laughs> and she was amazing, but I'm like I don't know anything about her <laughs> life. Right, right. And I think there's something kind of nice though when but I do I will say what drove me to this therapist, I felt like she actually could relate to the stuff I was talking about. Mm. So I think the fact that you actually have lived it and breathed it, and that actually kind of corresponds with our podcast too, Mm -hmm. is it's Mm -hmm. like, we know it. We've been there ourselves. Like it's so much easier giving advice than actually doing it. So it's kind of nice to know that that person gets it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm putting, I as a psychologist, I'm putting myself out there in a very personal way, which I think is this, my own risk I'm taking, but it feels right to be vulnerable in this way. And so, yeah. Right. Yeah. Because you're expecting your clients to be vulnerable sure. and do it. So right. yeah. it's nice. Right. Dr. Rachel, from all of this, do you have any takeaways? Well, I think you both have helped me as a psychologist understand maybe how how mystical therapy is yeah. for some people yep. or, or how, you know, so that's interesting for me to know. And because I'm so steeped in it personally and professionally, I'm just like therapy, you know, and so yeah. um, I think it's important to sort of for people to meet themselves where they are. And for me as the professional to meet them where they are too and, and not get too ahead of the game. Well, also, I'm not alone, you know? Yeah. yeah. I'm not alone and you're not alone. And I'm glad that you felt like as a psychologist, you could relate. Yep. You know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. one thing that we hear a lot, and mm-hmm. I've actually experienced this too, it's like, where do you even find therapists? Like, where would mm-hmm. someone find you mm-hmm. if they wanted to work with mm-hmm. you? Mm-hmm. Well, they can go to my website. Um, I'm also, I mean, they could direct message me on Instagram too. But I'm also listed on Psychology Today. That's a wonderful resource for people to find therapists. Even just a Google search, I think I would even come up, like if you were, you know, looking for a psychologist in your area, you could just type that in Google and Mm -hmm. and plenty should come up. Yelp is another good place. Um, The APA, which is the American Psychological Association, has a directory that people can go to. And then if there are people out there who like can't afford therapy or, you know, private practice clinicians, it can get costly. So um, there's plenty of like sliding scale community mental health Mm. places that people can research. Like, you know, just type in sliding scale a community mental health center mm-hmm. in your area. But I would assume trying to find the right therapist is sort of like dating too, yes. right? So what are some of the questions people should ask when they're trying to find the right therapist for them? It's so true. I've just been guiding one of my best friends to like how to find a therapist for her. <laughs> so it's true. You got to give yourself time. I don't know if it always matters how long the person's been in practice, but you might want to know. You might ask sort of what their style is yep. or, you know, if they're influenced by a certain theoretical orientation and then you can research that to see if that is something you're interested in and then I would say more than those specific questions you know tell them what you need support with and see if they they're like you know if you feel understood by them or if they say yeah I can help with that and I would say also just similar to dating just get a feel Mm -hmm. you need to feel understood and seen and safe and supported by your therapist so I used a company called reflect and they did a really great job with this so it's basically a site that you can go to and they'll match you with therapists based off of mm-hmm. yeah like based on they're a pretty new startup specifically in the bay area right now mm-hmm. and basically they'll match you with a therapist and then you get three free 
video calls. Mm-hmm. So you can talk with three people and then you can like ask them questions. Like now what I found was like some were just more spiritual, some were more practical. Mm, right. like, so some of it's like not like, oh, they were bad or good, but right. what jives well with what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. I think I also brought up the topics specifically I wanted to talk about and you could kind of get a feel of like mm-hmm. how in depth they knew or mm-hmm. went on some of that or just mm-hmm. like not even that, but even just like what their reaction was. And then you're like, oh, I, that's interesting or, mm-hmm, eh, mm-hmm, you know, yeah. like, mm-hmm. so you kind of like can feel it out that way. And this one actually is also at a discounted rate too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, people should definitely check it out. Teletherapy is huge now and it's a wonderful way for people to get support. Yep. More support for less money, to be honest. Well, I yeah. also did better help before doing this uh-huh. in person. Mm-hmm. And better help is very similar to talk space yeah. that you mentioned. So right. I actually think the online is a great gateway yeah, therapy. Yeah, really great. Is it such an easy barrier to get in? Like we were just talking about, like some people might be like, wow, that sounds like a lot of work to go mm-hmm. research all yeah. the methods and all mm-hmm. that. And it's mm-hmm. like it definitely, I think sometimes the online, it just can get you there. And then like, I got to a point that I was like, okay, I feel like I've gotten enough out of online that I'm ready to like see someone and do the in-person talking. And I think there is a huge difference of the two. Mm -hmm. Not that one is necessarily better than the other. They're just different. Mm -hmm. So that could be a starting point for people too. I want your opinion on this because this is purely opinion based, Mm -hmm. but all my doctor friends, medical doctor friends always say, find a doctor who resembles you. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's a young Asian female Mm -hmm. because they kind of know your body. They're going Mm -hmm. through whatever changes you're going through. Mm -hmm. Would you recommend the same for a therapist? Maybe someone who's kind of going through the same things you're going through? Right. I really don't have a hard and fast rule in that way. I think it, it it can offer something valuable, but so can a therapist who is, you know, an older gay man, let's say, or, you know, I, yeah. I, I don't, I think beyond demographics or specific life experience, you know, I think you spoke to it really well, Julie. It's just sort of like this vibe, this this feeling you get. Are yeah. you connecting to them? Do you feel understood by them? Yeah. And I don't think they need to have your exact life experience to understand you. Got it. Right. And no one will, even if they're the same demographic right. as you. Right? right, right, right. But I think also, like, there's – I could see the benefits of someone that's, like, more your peer that, like, is in the same stage as you. Yeah, but then I yeah. also could see the benefits of someone that may be older that's kind yeah. of has – that like hindsight is 2020 right. perspective so. but i don't want to be re-explaining what tinder is to someone totally, who has never totally. been online dating yes, you know what totally. i mean yeah. for sure and I, so there is something to that and i actually saw like in one of like the poly community groups they were talking about like where is like a good therapist because like some are like i don't want to explain or be judged right. by exactly. my lifestyle yeah. so my my therapist in person is a man and he's white and he's probably my age and I think he's gay. And then my therapist in LA, the talk space therapist, um, is an, I don't actually don't know how old she is, but she's a woman and I think she might be Jewish and I'm Jewish. So there are these ways yeah. that, and, and they both sort of provide me with something mm-hmm. uniquely valuable. Mm-hmm. So it's a good question, and I and I to your point, I think if my in person therapist like didn't know what it was like, he really seems to get it. Yeah, yeah. and so does she. In yeah. a way that I'm like, you both have been there yourselves. Yes. You know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think personally for me, because I was really scared of therapy. Uh, culturally, we are just Asians yeah. are just not mm. accustomed to therapy. In, right. Yeah. In, in in general. Right. But one of the things that really scared me about therapy was. 
um, how could someone who doesn't know me mm-hmm. give me advice about my own life? Mm-hmm. But when I tried therapy, I was like, oh, it's not about someone telling me what to do with my life, but to really organize my thoughts yep. and put labels to my thoughts. And this is the one thing that really helped me um, in how I think every day mm-hmm. is none of your thoughts are invalid. So mm. you should always validate your feelings and your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Don't ever try to deny them. And that's where the problems could arise. Yes. Is, oh, I have this feeling that there's um, you know, nobody out there for me, but I'm going to deny that thought. It's not true. It's not true. Right. And that's when you resent yourself right. and your feelings. But it's like you just have to accept and recognize those feelings. They exist right. and validate them. And then think about ways of changing right. those totally. thoughts. So practice what you preach, but you don't have to be a professional professional to do that. No, right? of if course not. Think about the, the the advice you give to your friends. Yep. Right. You should also be giving yourself the same sort and of advice. And I think sometimes too. my last takeaway is like sometimes we're so hard on each- ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And I think like the reality is like I like this like no one has it all figured out. So it's like just remember that and cut yourself some slack. And listeners, we've all been a hot mess at some point in our lives. We should embrace it. Mm -hmm. We should champion it. And we should, you know, just accept it and know that everyone, everyone's in the same boat, right? That's how you learn. That's how you learn. And if you don't, if you don't go through these mistakes and heartbreaks, then you never learn. You never grow. So be grateful that you've been through these experiences. And now you just know what you'll never do again. Hopefully. Hopefully. Never do again. <laughs> it might take four times, but you'll Come eventually get it. Come see me for therapy. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Dr. Rachel, for coming and telling us your very honest dating experience. We appreciate that. You know, even a professional has the exact same issues. Mm-hmm. And it's just really how you organize your thoughts and learn from those thoughts. If you want to get a hold of Dr. Rachel, we'll have a link in the profile. And also you can just reach out to us and we can also do that little matchmaking. So we're also looking for guests for season seven. If you have a topic you want to talk about, if you have someone you want to refer, let us know because we are filling up these guest spots very fast and um, we want to bring you new and fresh topics every season. So with that said, let's uh, say our goodbyes. Stay dateable! Your action item for this week is to practice mindful dating. Give yourself a moment to sit quietly and intentionally and ask yourself, what are your fears and insecurities when it comes to love and dating? Then recall the times when these fears showed up on your dates and prevented you from being your best self. This episode of Dateable is brought to you by 500 Brunches. 500 Brunches connects like-minded people with similar interests to meet in real life over brunch. You answer a quick questionnaire about your interests and how you spend your time, and then they'll match you in small groups of six to eight at a brunch spot in San Francisco. Get a free entry into a brunch now by signing up at 500brunches.com and using the code DATEABLE. If you didn't know already, we have a revamped website with articles, videos, and content all about modern dating. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We've had some great feedback about how actionable these episodes are. So check them out on our website or iTunes Music. Also, visit the site today to see the latest about coaching, where we connect you with dateable approved experts to help with everything from dating profile reviews, coaching, and even gathering real feedback about your dating style in a personalized and affordable way. To connect with us, visit datablepodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook, 
Twitter, and Instagram, all under Dateable Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and auto-download the podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast player so you never miss an episode.